This episode contains candid discussion of sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. It's time for a bonus. A bonus episode. I love episodes of theater, 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 theater. We're going off the beaten path. Off the beaten path. We're Nice dress. Thanks. It's a Versace. It's Versace. <laughs> what? Versace. It's pronounced Versace. Oh. We actually have three theme songs. Yeah. We, have, we have the one by Ryan Thomas Johnson. We have, yes. uh, if it's an N stuff, then we have uh, Pam's bonus song, which you just heard. Yep. And then we always have Scott Leggett on mouth trumpet. <laughs> on Bernanair. Bernanair. <laughs> on Bampa Bound. That was with a little help from my friends. It uh, may not have oh, sounded like it. it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I appreciate that song it. from Across the Universe. Oh. oh my god, I love that oh, movie. You mean the, oh, you mean the theme song to um, whole, uh, The Wonder, Wonder Years? Years? That's, Joe, that's Joe Cocker's version. I was that's doing true. That's a good specifically one. Ringo's version. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well. Got it. It's a little bit more bouncy. As opposed to... I like the Cocker. Down. Uh, the Cocker version is rad. I got to see him do that in concert years and years ago. That's rad. That yeah. sounds delightful. He was amazing. Amazing performer. Speaking of songs from across the universe, mm-hmm. um, I'm just kidding. Um, we, <laughs> I like that movie, actually. I like it. I, the universe. It's all right. I wanted to like it more. I saw it at the Vista in L.A. Oh, cool. Uh, and was fun. so stoked to see it because I think it was one of those movies where I got the album before. Yeah, which I did too. There's so many versions of Beatles songs on that album that... I attach to more than I do the actual versions of same, them. Same, same, me too. And then, yeah, I mean, musically and visually, it's a cool movie, but like plot wise, I was like, what are you? And I was also in love with Jim Sturgis for a while. That, like, that was, was Tamar, right? I love right? a cheeky. I love it. It is Julie really Tamar. Is yeah. it Tamar? Boy, yeah. she is hit and miss. We should. She, I mean, because I love she, her Titus. She swings for the fences and sometimes she hits and sometimes she she just doesn't. Yeah, I like the Titus a lot. I like and, Titus. I like Across the Universe and I kind of like her her Tempest. What? I thought we discussed the Tempest and you weren't so into it. I kind of do. I think there's right. moments of it that work. I think conceptually it works. I don't think it's a perfect film. I think there's things no, wrong with it. No, no. But I think her but the ideas casting, there are the interesting. Casting. The casting and there's some there's some, there's some, some things. I definitely um, haven't seen Across the Universe since I saw it at the Vista, so maybe I need a rewatch. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it an in stuff. We're going to do an in stuff of it. Uh, there's You'll been do a rumors. movie and we'll do practical ones. Perfect. There's been rumors. <laughs> Rumors of there being a, a, a stage version a stage of it for version. years, and yeah. it's just never, it's never across taken the off. universe. Colon the musical. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've if they heard... can do Moulin Rouge, they can do across the universe. You know. Well, I'd also read that she's, you know, uh, she's in a Broadway hole in terms of True. coming back out. Because wasn't she Spider Man too? Yeah, yeah, Spider Man yeah. as well. And uh, that, the woman uh, who oof. stage managed that is the associate producer at the Pasadena Playhouse now. 
Did she oh, really? Wow, yeah. I didn't know that. That's beautiful. But a lot of respect for working on that crazy show. I'm sure that was a nightmare. But uh, speaking of theater nightmares, oh, wait, no, we already did that episode. <laughs> now we're doing theatrical movie nightmares. We're doing new things, theatrical movie nightmares. Welcome to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds, made by three theater makers from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Bertram. I'm C.J. Merriman. And I am Scott Leggett. And as always, to cleanse our palate between playwrights, we offer you another bonus episode of Theater, Theater, and Stuff, where we pick stuff, where we pick theater adjacent things and nerd out over them. So uh, this week is a CJ pick. Siege, what did you pick, and why did you choose it? It's the film Showgirls. The film Showgirls. The film Showgirls. Um, I, the funny thing about this is it was a big part of conservatory for me because I can specifically remember Adam Henry and Tori Watson. I highly doubt either of them listen to the show. They would always yell showgirls lines at one another in class and they would laugh about it and they would talk about how it was like their favorite terrible movie. I didn't see Showgirls until I was well out of college. Mm. And I can't even remember the first moment that I did. I certainly saw, and it needs to be called out anytime because I know everybody out there has seen the Showgirls on FX <laughs> or... I'm with trying the to think drawn on bras. with with the digital bras yeah. where they were like, listen, they're actually clothed. These aren't black bars across their boobs. Um, I've seen that a billion times, but the first time I actually sat down and watched it was well after I'd moved to Los Angeles. And then after that, it became like if it was my birthday when I used to do a birthday week, which is obnoxious, I would have a night where I would invite mostly girls over and have a slumber party and we'd buy a shit ton of food and then we would watch this would be part of like the birthday viewing we'd we'd eat a bunch of food and laugh at this movie i will say the last time i did it after i i mean and i became aware of it after the first time i've watched it the completely unnecessary rape scene at the end of the movie i the last time i had a party for this i said don't worry we're not going to watch it. We're going to show, we're going to throw a comforter over my TV and turn on music and mute it. And we're going to dance the whole time. And then some jerk at the party pulled the blanket off because they thought it was funny to watch it. But anyway, <laughs> that's mm. me with Showgirls. A fun, campy thing that I like to do with friends. Although after speaking to the both of you and particularly you, Bailey, about this film, I watched it completely different this time around so i'm stoked to talk about it yeah there's been a lot of revisit to this film by uh not only like major critics but also uh just the cult following that has sort of been built around it that is not based i mean th like you said siege there are a lot of people that follow this movie as like how hilarious how bad it is right mm -hmm. camp they they treat it like the room or troll 2 but there's also another side of this mm -hmm. which i think i'm on this i'm in this camp a little bit of the people who watch it and kind of understand based on paul verhoven which we should say this is directed by paul verhoven who also directed robocop and basic instinct and starship troopers and l which is a phenomenal film uh that uh, got some oscar buzz a few years ago uh, and some nominations 
but this has another side of the fandom of people who watch it and understanding his sensibility are sort of like, is this also brilliant and kind of purposefully a pulpy B film that is awkward to watch on per- like is everything on purpose i guess is mm-hmm. the kind of side mm-hmm. of it that it becomes and if you watch it that way which we did we the three of us got together and we we watched this and an, i had a blast it was you fun know, we were drinking and smoking doing the thing but we were it was just fun to watch and kind of giggle at and laugh at but also if you watch it from that lens there are profound moments in this <laughs> film and you can't really let go of it and by the end of it you're told a story like you you there are things to be pulled from it uh my my experience with this movie is that i saw it on tv all the time growing up i saw the cover of it at blockbuster every time i'd walk the aisles at blockbuster striking cover amazing cover i own the dvd of this yeah i I saw that it was amazing (laughs) it's got you know it's elizabeth berkeley but it's the curtains and just her leg is coming out and just her torso kind of and it, it it stuck with me it stuck with me really hard i don't think i watched it all the way through fully until i was working at blockbuster and i was like 16 or 17 wow what a difference (laughs) but but i think i rented it if i'm being completely honest i think i rented it as like porn sure there's like a lot the, of boobies and sex scenes in well, it. Well, that's I what mean, I had been told. Everyone was like, right. this is the first major NC-17 blockbuster. And I was like, oh, that means there's tons of boobs. And so I took it home for that reason. But then watching it, there's nothing really sexy about it. No. no. And we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But Scott, what were <laughs> so it was impossible to jerk off to is what I'm saying. Scott, what are you what are no, your nothing your is impossible nothing is impossible to jerk off to. I'm gonna argue uh, that. There are I, a few things. I've I've jerked off to dump trucks. Like it's like wow. it's possible. There you go. I mean it's been a long are time. Are you talking about like dump trucks like asses or dump I trucks know, like a truck? No, like like trucks. a truck. Like Got a it. truck. I've heard the story. No. Uh, so I'd seen it when it first came out and was titillated like everybody else and um, didn't, yeah, it was, it, 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 you know, I, I kind of dismissed it and was like, it, it is what it is. <clears throat> then I've gone through several phases of opinions about it as I've seen it. So I got to see it in uh, at the New Beverly years ago cool. um, with a predominantly... Uh, gay audience and it was insane it was insane I bet that was so much fun it was it was then I had some some thinking that so that was kind of my my CJ thinking of things like oh it's 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 a bad movie it's it's funny and it's da, da, da. then I went through my my Bailey phase <laughs> if you will where I was like well maybe there's something more to this and now I, I went reading i went down a few rabbit holes because i was like mm. i after we rewatched it i just couldn't quite get it out of my head and i'll get more in more detail later but now i have a i've had a totally different epiphany that is different from both of your views and um may not be popular but i'll share them later can't as wait we go. yeah amazing would anyone like a breakdown Please. Well, I guess if we have to, I mean, you've been doing well lately, Siege, and I'd hate you to see you fall down. I need to break down rabbit hole again, but um, go ahead and work it out. Just have the catharsis. Go ahead and have your breakdown. 
CJ's breakdown. Nomi arrives in Las Vegas with a suitcase and a dream of becoming a top showgirl. Two hours, lots of trashy fake nails, a corresponding lap dance and fuck sesh, a bunch of ridiculous choreography, and a completely unnecessary rape scene later, she finds herself. Yep. That's it. (laughs) She finds herself in a lot of other stuff, too. Yes. Um, so the movie is directed by Paul Verhoeven. It's written by uh, Esterhaus. What's his first name? Joe? Is it Joe, Joe Esterhaus? And we'll have to dig in a little bit because he's he's the bad guy here. I think he is like, the bad guy. He's here. the bad guy in a lot of different ways. But... It's sort of his masturbatory fantasies in a script that then Paul Verhoeven, who is known to do this, sort of takes and goes. Oh, I will make this a totally different thing. Fuck you, Esther House. I love you know, both which of is your Verhoeven accents while we were Dutch, watching this, Dutch. by the way. <laughs> it's, it's, Sorry, it's, not, it's, it's yeah. not a good Dutch, but it's it's okay. Um, yeah. We should say that Verhoeven and Esther House. But he's House, so good. He's, yeah. Uh, the Verhoeven and Esther House had huge success right before Showgirls with Basic Instinct. Um, yes. which is, you know, a lurid Hitchcockian doesn't hold up lurid. at all. And uh, um, it doesn't. But also it's interesting. It's an interesting watch still. There's there's some great performances in it. And Verhoeven is like really he's at bat like it, it's <laughs> like he's swinging and he's kind of hitting basic instinct on rewatch. You're right. In a 2021 lens is it's problematic but it's also a well-constructed film and for so sure you expect it and it, but it does have the esther house problems with it right but what verhoven is so freaking famous for is you know you hand him a script like like total recall or robocop and he goes yeah but i'm gonna do something totally different with this starship troopers whatever it may be he's like yeah i get that what if i do a whole new take on this and showgirls is the same way he gets it from from Joe from Esther House and he's like great and 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 Universal or whoever WB is like this is a musical right about like Vegas showgirls and he's like hmm I guess so yes sure. and I... no problem <laughs> I can do that uh give me the money and we'll see <laughs> yeah so <laughs> which is basically how he works and he apparently all actors that work with him uh for the well I should say most actors that work with him who are being treated as actors really love him and trust him, especially in the movie L that actress, that French actress, whose name is uh, escaping me. She like really loved working with him and then she got an Oscar nomination. But then you have movies like showgirls and starship troopers where he is actively treating his casts as props. And you see it a little bit here. You see it even more in Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers, he actively cast really beautiful people who couldn't act because he wanted it to feel like a shitty propaganda movie, which it totally is. Showgirls, he kind of lies to Elizabeth Berkley and Kyle MacLachlan and all of them about what this movie is in his head, and he sort of pushes them over the edge of this this pulpy acting style and, and takes them way too far and I think a lot of people feel that when they watch the movie. I think there's that kind of, oh my gosh, this is cheesy. Oh my God, this is ridiculous. This is overacting. This is silly. And it is, but he is doing that on purpose here, I think. You have great tits. They're really beautiful. 
Thank you. I like nice tits. <laughs> I always have. How about you? I like having nice tits. Well, and you know, I saw Starship Troopers in theaters. I can't remember what year that came out, but I remember not particularly. 98? Right. I, that sounds about right. I, at that point in my life, was a big Star Wars fan. So I'm like, ooh, space movie. Maybe I'll be into it. And I saw it and didn't quite. I mean, I was at that age where I wouldn't have known if it was like a quote unquote good movie or bad movie anyway. But I, I've i seen it since then. And also, I've watched Beverly Hills Housewives and I like Denise Richards now. So I feel yeah. differently about that movie. <laughs> but I know, and now, now I need to go back and watch it again with the lens of it being this big... It's a Nazi propaganda, propaganda film. film yeah. Which is fascinating to me. Yeah. And it's the same with, you know, um, Total Recall, or excuse me, RoboCop. RoboCop is very much, it, you know, it has commercials running through it. It has, it, there's a, it's almost like this RoboCop movie is on TV or something like that. And he's, yeah. he's got a really cool lens. I think he's really interesting. And I think that's why people go back to his movies and go, wait, maybe there's something here. I think the only movie of his I really don't stand behind is Hollow Man. I have I a don't, lot of trouble. Uh, with I think I watched that. I don't, I don't even remember seeing it. It's a I know Kevin Bacon um, right. uh, movie where a guy becomes invisible in a lab or whatever. But then the whole rest of the movie is just him trying to rape the woman he loves and her not wanting it to happen. And it becomes a horror film about not getting raped. It's bad. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel like I remember people tearing that apart too when it was yeah, in theaters. Yeah, it's just it's a mess. Bad. And you know, you you had mentioned Total Recall. Uh, Love uh, that. Film. Yeah, and there's a there's a great quote. It's from David Roth of the New York Times. Um, it has become clear in the in these last decades of decadence, decline, towering institutional violence, and rampant bad taste that America's life is stuck somewhere inside the Paul Verhoeven cinematic universe. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, and he cites. Well, he goes on to to talk about other ABCU. things, um, but um, that's that's different from from Showgirls because there. <sighs> So my take to start over talking a little bit about my take is that, yes, the satire is intentional. I think he misses the satire. I don't think it really works, but I get what he's trying to do. And there are moments in it that become uh, where he's, the question is, is how much becomes Joe Esterhouse, who's kind of, very superficial and is like he wrote flash dance right, right. you know uh -huh. i mean so we, we see this stuff happening again and he's clearly talking about the he, esther house is clearly focused on hollywood and the entertainment industry and right. the, the seediness of it all verhoven tries to go to a, a bigger level there's even an argument to be made that the the film is talking about misogyny in, in right. a big sweeping way. Um, and I don't know if it always works. Here's the thing about talking about the satire and we keep talking about, you mentioned, both mentioned that rape scene. And, and so in order for Verhoeven's satire to work, 
there has to be a gut punch and that gut punch is that rape scene. The idea that all this glitter and glamor is happening and literally in the next door, this horror is happening. That is the thesis theoretically of what would be Verhoeven's satire argument. But that scene is so graphic and so horrifying that we, 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 keep taking it talking about it being unnecessary so much so that often when they do screenings especially like the ones that are hosted uh by drag queens and that kind of thing they'll edit out that scene but i don't think that that's i don't think that that's necessarily the right thing to do in in talking about a but i i don't know because i'm about to bring up some other stuff that i, I don't know that if that's accurate or not like I don't know the, if any of if if any of the views of the film are are right are on the, watching it this last time through this lens. Also, with all the other times I watched it through another lens, and hearing what you just said about it, I think I think maybe it's almost a mistake. Like it's it's just a bad decision that they made. Not to say that it shouldn't be there. It's just the amount of time that's spent with it and the cutting back to it personally and the brutality of it yeah, yeah. i mean it, it might be missing on on a lot of levels i think it, it it misses all of its little things just enough that people for instance i don't know really if if with all due respect for cj for your slumber parties and for people who go to see this as a camp thing i don't know if that's altogether appropriate we can mock it for seemingly being bad and campy and that sort of thing, but I don't know if that's what it is. And I wonder if. Well, I don't watch... think it hits the camp level correctly. And I don't think it hits the satire correctly. And maybe this is what you're getting at Scott. And this is why I don't think this is a genius, perfect film. I would never argue for that. <laughs> right. right. I think it's, I think it, but I, I think this is what you're getting to Scott. I think unfortunately it has been turned into that kind of um silly let's laugh at it troll to the room kind of movie but actually for what it's trying to do that is inappropriate and in some ways it just doesn't really do what it's trying to do i think why i can look at it as this like kind of masterpiece is because there's a lot of accidents here right there's a lot of happy and bad and sad <laughs> uh accidents here and he he doesn't hit the camp level correctly like the this pool scene doesn't work for me it doesn't tell me anything it doesn't there's no camp there that is that works for me different places like none of that shit like <laughs> works for me on a camp level unless there's some weird dutch kind of comedic thing that i'm not getting i have a problem with pussy i always have and i'm always gonna Right. I think it worked for us at a camp level when we were just graduating from theater school and we thought we knew what act, good acting was. Right. right but you right. weren't watching it as camp. You were watching it as bad. Because and camp is I on guess, purpose. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm thinking of those things. I'm equating the two of them and it's not the same. Yeah. In my it's head, camp is purposefully bad. Right. Whereas bad is just bad. Right. Agreed. And I think Agreed. I, Troll 2 is not on purpose. Right. The room is not on purpose. Right. Um, but drag 
performances are. But Rocky right? Horror. I Am Divine is. Rocky Horror is. It, Rocky Horror is the epitome of. John camp. Waters. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's all on purpose camp. You know, even mm-hmm. Tarantino dips into it a little bit sometimes. And we, a lot of directors right now are, are dipping into camp. Well, it's interesting because I read a quote from Tarantino who he liked it a lot when it first came out. And he liked it because he felt that it was the first big budget exploitation film. Yeah. And that there was value to be found in that. And uh, I don't disagree. And I think that also maybe some of my epiphany and because I went down a couple like I read a couple of like feminist talks essays on on it that i found really really interesting and we may we may be just through the looking glass in terms of how we view it because i think you're dead right bailey like there there seems to have been mistakes on on every level throughout the film that Mm -hmm. make it that aren't without great ideas behind them from verhoven like there's a few shots in there that i was like ooh, like i get what you're doing here bro and that's what makes it so endlessly fascinating. Like right. I'm fascinated now to watch it again, to just go, how, how did this happen? Like it's a fast, well, it's fascinating on, but not as an entertainment and especially now, but as the- a curio and a, and a, of a, a really exciting part of the, or exciting, interesting part of this is that people like Elizabeth Berkey, Berkeley, Kyle McLaughlin, uh, Gina Gershon, they all signed on to this to work with an auteur. This guy yeah. who had made Total Recall, RoboCop, like these movies that people... He said it was going to be the next great American movie musical. Exactly. <laughs> and so when you're told that, you're like, amazing. And, and you're in. with him. And then he's, you're told that he works weird. And that he, you know, that he's he's got interesting ways of working and talking to actors. You're told all this stuff going in. So they all accept the roles. And they were kind of lied to in a way because, not lied to, but because he thought he was doing right. But... By the end of it, they none of them were in the movie they thought they were making, right. and that's a huge misstep as well. But it also makes this movie ten times more interesting because you have Kyle MacLachlan giving actually one of the more understated performances of his career. It's like this in Blue Velvet; he's just very like kind yeah. of stoic and like whatever. And with he, a bad haircut, with a horrible haircut, <laughs> and which 90s, is how most was... people. Very nineties. That was nineties hair. And I think that's how most people think of McLaughlin, right? Is that hair and that silly like he's oh, he's a shitty actor because of showgirls. But he went to the premiere and and left afterwards and was like, That's not the movie I thought I was in. And he was mm. kind of upset by it and things like, and then Elizabeth Berkeley, we should say, Hollywood turns their back on her completely. Yeah. She loses her agent. She doesn't get cast anything besides, uh, I think, something like two years later, she gets like a smaller part or something. But she's she loses she her was career, in heat. basically. She, yeah, heat, she was, that's what it was. It was Heat. Where she has a really Michael great Mann. scene. Yeah, she has a really yeah. cool scene with Daenerys. But she yeah. almost becomes, she, she starts getting cast as like sleaze, sleaze trash. Like that's mm-hmm. all she really gets because, you know, we know her from, of course, Saved by the Bell. Everyone knows her as Jessie. There's this kind of nostalgia for her. And then Showgirls happens. And even her fandom was sort of like, ugh, you went and did that porn movie. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, that's not what she thought she was doing. Some people that were up for the role, Angelina Jolie, before she was Angelina Jolie. <laughs> yeah. uh, she turned it down because she didn't want to do the nudity. Uh-huh. 
Which is crazy because a few years later she does Girl Interrupted, where I'm pretty sure, or Gia. What's the one? Gia. Where she, yeah, it's Gia yeah. where she's. But, but that but movie's so much. That's so yeah. The right. content is so much. Or uh, Charlize Theron was another one. Wow. Um, so there's alternate universes where those careers went totally different. Showgirls now and then will show at Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Yeah. And I we had a friend. We should go do that together. We should. That would be rad. I had a friend that, that went fun. to Hollywood Forever Cemetery to watch it one time, and Elizabeth Berkeley came and and did a speech. Aww. Um, cool. And so I know she has a really sordid history with this film. Of course. Talk about I think, conflict. Yeah. Right. Okay. But I think in this growth of the cult following that it has gained of people, like I said, who really actually love. And respect this movie. The uh, the gay community is really big in it. The drag community. Um, RuPaul quotes her two favorite movies are Wizard of Oz and Showgirls. <laughs> so if you you know if you can quote those, she'll she'll live for it all day. There's a documentary that came out called You Don't Know Me. Yeah. N o n o m i. You don't. I haven't know seen me. it yet, but I heard it's great. It's fantastic, and it's just about the rise of this cult following and um, Elizabeth Berkley's kind of problems with Hollywood, but also her kind of regaining and reclaiming of her name and career because of this fandom resurging. And it's really interesting, Doc. I think everybody should check it out. But the one person I'd really love to talk about is Gina Gershon. Huh? I'm getting a little too old for that hoary look. I also love her in Face Off. Also love her in Face Off and Bound, which Bound. is the Wachowski's first major She's amazing film. Did you in say, that. I was talking to someone about, is she in that with Jennifer Tilly? Yes. yes. It's I've got to see good. this movie. I've yeah, got to see it's, it. It's, it's, it is hot and it is it's hot intriguing and, weird and, awesome. and arguably it might be their their best movie after the first Matrix. Matrix. Yeah. Well, and you uh, wouldn't, I mean, Jennifer Tilly, like, I feel like she's always like this kind of character actress. She's got the voice, like that whole thing. And it sounds like Bound isn't like that at all. New. Yeah. But she's, I mean, she kind of played like in that, I can't speak to other stuff she's done, but she's done like dumb, like slutty true. character type true. thing. What she does, I mean, what I think she's best known for now is probably, um, Family Guy, right? She's, or is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah she, and yeah. she's, I mean, she has an amazing voice. Of course she's a voice actor. But then she's also, now she's kind of a cult franchise baby. She's in all these weird things, but she's been in the Chucky franchise the past few uh, movies that they've made because she's Bride of Chucky. She's the she, voice of the Bride of Chucky. It was in that L.A. Theater Works reading of fucking Cherry Orchard as yeah. Oh, yeah. the main but, Yeah, maid. she's legit. But her yeah. voice actually is less like. Yeah, she p turns it up. She turns it up for oh, certain does characters. She? I yeah. just, she's got more of a vocal fry. She's got a fry. good voice. Yeah, it's a vocal fry with like a bit of a, a burrow accent. I don't know what burrow, but. Oh, I know, love it. Uh, I gotta take yeah, but she can turn stuff. it up, you know, and, and I think she's most known for the for the voice for that reason. I love Jennifer Tilly. I think she's genius. Right. Uh, Bound is so worth the watch. I it just really think is. It's, it's, really it's a really underrated flick. Yeah. But yeah, Gina Gershon is. She is channeling Betty Davis, like in yeah. the best possible way. Like she is just calm and smooth through that whole thing. She's fucking great in it. She really is. Like it, it's right. a good performance, I think. There was a moment where I guess Verhoeven was like, hey, remember how great that Sharon Stone moment was in 
basic instinct where she uncrosses her legs and you see her vagina for a moment and uh and everyone on set was like yeah and he was like we're gonna do it again with gina and she was like no i'm not doing i'm that. not do- i'm not showing my bad gina not, has not my favorite that. line of the whole movie and i have a lot of favorite lines but the main one is this ain't champagne darling it's holy water <laughs> <laughs> it's so good it's so good. And those 90s lips, like, I just want to go in to a filler doctor and be like, give me Gina Gershon lips. Yeah. Gina Gershon lips. Oh, she's yeah. so hot. She's so good in it. And, and you know, she's part of this whole thing, which Verhoeven talks a lot about how everyone in this film is bad, except for Molly, who, and then Molly it ends up being the one who gets raped. And she's and, punished and, for it in the right, end. Right, exactly. And his quote on this is sort of like yes everyone is bad every you know and even the ones who aren't bad people are constantly influencing their lives and doing things to them that they can't control and that kind of Mm. thing now i'm not defending that scene i think it's awful how much it cuts back and forth that's sort of the hardest part about that scene is that it it is cutting back and forth and you're never really ready for the next cutback and it does it like six times too many it's yeah. just like okay okay i get um, it i get it i get it yeah it's like i all i almost just want not want but i almost just need it insinuated and then move on from it yeah but his whole thing is brutality right he's like well it's nc-17 we can show it like let's just brutal beat him over the head with it just show me more boobies that's just show me well and yeah. it's 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 interesting too because one of the things that i'd read and i thought about so verhoven gets all this acclaim for his satire, which is uses violence. So RoboCop, Total Recall, he's he's using violence. In this one, he's using sexuality. He's using sex. He's using nudity for it. So he gets written off and dismissed as being pervy for it. But as you said earlier, Bailey, it, it's not really sexy. There's nothing in it that's especially sexy other than Right. you know boobs which are sexy but like you know what i'm saying right and so when so when he turns it and i think it's just a miss and i think it's a miss for you, the the editing the cutting back and forth yeah. of that rape scene but we we don't get enough build of that character arc so that we really feel it in the, in that sense so it sticks out like a sore thumb Nobody wants to watch it or see it, and I get that. Well, and I think if you can also, I think we discussed this too while we were watching it, if you can dive into that whole idea that this is this completely unfleshed character, that it's making another statement too about like the African-American women in films. Oh yeah, About like, she's nice, she arrives as this kind, soft place to land, you don't really learn anything about her and she's just a victim in the end. And that's yeah. it. Right. Well, and that she's saved by, you know, the white superhero lady that somehow emerges from that. Who's a terrible person. <laughs> well, and then that brings me to this other thing. So, you know, I'm thinking we, we'd, we'd watched it and we were talking about the satire and I'm like, yeah. And I'm thinking about Starship Troopers. I'm thinking about RoboCop and I think about Basic Instinct and, and how elements worked and what didn't and, and didn't work. And then we then we get to the end of the movie and I'm talking about uh, after she goes and, and beats, after Nomi goes and beats up, what's his name? Andrew Carver. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kicks his ass like badly. <laughs> but right before that, that's when we learn and it, it almost, I didn't remember it until this time. 
that they drop her past yeah. on her, that we know that she's at least been in trouble. God only knows for what reasons, yeah. but that she's, she's done crack. She's been busted for prostitution. She's done time. Da, 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 da. So I get when, the, the the feeling she hasn't beaten she has beaten someone that badly before as well, right? Yeah. So yeah. as she's driving off in the truck and headed to Los Angeles, at the very <laughs> which is end, the most amazing ending ever. We should talk about that. To be continued. And I'm like, oh, I I get it, but is she? She's brought chaos and turmoil. Yeah. With her and rifled through the whole thing and which doesn't go along like if you just sort of think about the beats like if you break it down as a screenplay and the beats of, of a screenplay that doesn't really make sense and it's not how it's played until you get the information at the end but maybe that's the idea like Verhoeven has described the character as psychotic yeah in interviews that he's that she's psychotic um, and she's certainly, and I mean, so th that was what I've always wondered was going and kicking that dude's ass and beating him so badly. Was that redemption? Was it her true self? Was it? So again, I think that that's just another miss thing in the, in the column of misses that makes you go, what the fuck's going on with this movie? <laughs> like what's going on with it? Because like I'm reading some some of these you know feminist essays on it, which are, are a lot of them support it in the sense that that it's 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 something that needs to be rewatched. But then we talk about our current filter, and you think about Weinstein, and you think like the scene with the ice cubes at, at yeah. the audition was horrific, also entirely improbable because all those people even back in the '90s were union. Like, you know, they weren't non-union performers. They would have been able to make a complaint to, to the union rep. Right. right? Sure. I mean, that's where that's where my logistics brain goes. But maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I, don't I know. guess I I've still heard watch that scene. Like that. Right. Sure, I just sure. watch that scene and I'm like, yeah. I mean, I've never been in a showgirl situation, but I've definitely heard I, like where I've been auditioning for something like that. But five like, years ago, I had to take off my pants to get the full Monty. Uh, you sure role. did, buddy. You sure. But you did. know what? I didn't know. But I didn't know that you're not supposed to do that in audition. I did it because I was like, okay. And then I walked out and told people about it, and they were all like, "What? You don't ever do that. You're not supposed to do that. They're not supposed to ask you to do that." And I was like, "Oh." Oop. Right, but there's plenty of people that will take advantage of the idea of there's right. going to be people in here that don't know what they're in for. Right, of course. Well, and so, you know, okay, so Verhoeven intended this to be an over-the-top morality tale with a population of only amoral, horrible characters, uh, except for Molly. And then he uses Las Vegas as a metaphor for, like, hypocrisy and extortion and how everyone is... Uh, awful no one you know and that's his Dancing. satire that's the sat satire he's trying to point out i don't know that it fully works the whole time but right. one of my favorite parts of the entire movie is the horror horror movie ending so you know how every horror film some of the best horror films end with like carrie ends with the the hand coming out of the grave or whatever right. you know there's 
always something. There's always or out of the rubble. Yeah. Rubble. I don't remember what happens. Mm-hmm. But <coughs> the best horror films end with a but it's not over yet. There's yeah. more to come. Bad things are still happening. You're right. not safe. You thought you were safe. You're not. And that's what this ending does. She's driving away from Las Vegas, and all it does is pull back on her, the open road and her driving up the highway and it says Los Angeles 345 miles or whatever it is and you're just like oh no she's going to the other bad place right. in the, right. the entertainment right. industry well and on top of it we also revisit the beginning it's right. the same guy picking her up in the same truck and she pulls a knife on him yeah like it's yeah wow it's kind of it's kind of a genius ending either way like this movie is so much better than I ever thought it was. <laughs> Bailey, God damn it. You ruined this should be your in stuff. I know. I here's the thing. I love this movie for a lot of reasons. I think it's such an interesting curio. I think there's like so much to talk about. Esther House got in trouble cuz like he went on like a late night show and was like anyone who's under the age of 17 should get a fake ID to go see this thing. And like <laughs> like there's just crazy stories surrounding this. Um she wins uh uh, worst actress at the Razzies, very sadly. Mm. Uh, but she was up against Demi, Demi Moore, who was in the Scarlet Letter that year. Oof, and, what a crap fest that which was. Which was also really bad. <laughs> that was a crap but, fest. But there's like an Elizabeth Berkeley quote, uh, quote where she's like, I felt like the Scarlet Letter. I felt like Hester Prynne because I was... I, I had a, a red S on me for showgirls and people just wouldn't cast me. And it was just so I feel horrible for her for that reason, because Verhoeven's career doesn't get ruined by this. He keeps making movies. Right. Um, Kyle MacLachlan's career go. kind of gets fucked by this because um, he, he I mean, what has he done since uh, besides Twin Peaks, The Return? Um, what has he done of, of Wasn't note? He in, um... He's done a couple the like the other lady smaller. show. Um, oh, Sex in the City. Yeah, I've never right. watched. He a was second on Sex in the show. City, but kind of as like a joke character. He was kind of this like really buttoned up dude who really loved his mom or something. I don't remember the whole the whole plot, but he was kind of a joke. He was he was kind of cast as a joke. Same with um with Elizabeth Berkley. She gets cast kind of almost as a joke now. Sometimes Gina Gershon only starts doing movies kind of in this vein and has a huge awesome career bound is kind of in this vein um she's kind of the same character i love her in face off love her in face off but face off is is this kind of pulpy trash too it's can't yeah it's trash i mean it's a 1995 action film so i like face off i think it's i do too for its own thing but i don't sit down and think like this is a great film um, I hope my else? hope after all of this is because I've heard side stories about Elizabeth Berkeley, mostly just people that I've known that have either auditioned with her or like people that she comes into their restaurant regularly and they've served her and she seems like a completely lovely person. My hope is someday that she can she can be like the Jar Jar Banks of this film and come back and people will like give her another chance and and like. It'll happen. It'll be somebody like Tar- so. it, it'll be somebody like Tarantino who's like yeah. 
you need to do this and yeah. like just like we'll... give her a chance like get let her give it a shot It'll again happen. because i mean the the other yeah. unfortunate thing about all of this is what else do we know her as we know her as jesse spano and say by the bell which isn't exactly known for its masterful <laughs> acting quality no, you know yeah. so like it was just another thing where it was like she's getting her serious moment and up oh, well she fucked it up again because clearly she's a terrible actress but she never kind of got to show anything off in the first place you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah no, other than she's a good dancer i mean that's clear even though the choreography in this movie is really silly you know it's it's also about you know it you know we talk about verhoven and and give him credit for you know his sort of lunacy and and bad taste and and turning it on but there's also a responsibility that a director has to an actor's performance an actor especially in film has to surrender it's a director's medium and there's part of me that really feels like he used her like they were keenly aware that she was the girl by from saved by the bells so she already had a mystique around her as sort of a good girl from this you know and mass kids popularity and mass popularity yeah. and that they were going to use that to turn it on its head and if Which he, he does successfully in the movie Starship Troopers. He does not do it successfully here. Right. And, right. you know, and having her play psychotic, you know, that's that's a very difficult thing to you do. And, yeah, you can't play. And, when it um, wasn't actually genuinely psychotic, it right. was, you're crazy, act crazy, you know. Yeah. Right. It wasn't even a thoughtful direction to begin with. By the way, the uh, choreographer, her name is Marguerite Derricks. And uh, the other thing that she's really well known for, uh, she does Broadway stuff. She did like Heather's off Broadway and things like okay. that. But the other thing she's really well known for is the opening dance number to Austin Powers. Oh, <laughs> oh I Which love is it. Great. Okay, cool. Which is great. Which is great and campy and silly and ridiculous. And she has, since Showgirls, that's what she does. She does campy, silly, ridiculous choreo. I Heather's love it. is all camp. Good the for musical her. is. Yeah, she's so she's great. She Pretty interesting. Niche. We should also say that there is a uh sequel, uh unauthorized sequel, <laughs> Showgirls 2 Pennies from Heaven, Penny apostrophe S from Heaven, which follows Penny, uh and I'm pretty sure it's produced by the same by the actress who plays Penny. Hey, Penny. Yeah. Oh, uh, really? Yes, and the guy who plays Jimmy, what is his name again? I'm forgetting. Um Pummel? What's his name? He's, Jimmy. The guy he has who plays a problem Jimmy. with pussy. The guy who has a problem with pussy. Uh, who, by the way, is not good in this film, in my opinion. No. Plumber. Glenn Plummer. Yeah. Um, he's a good actor. He's a good dancer, but... Right. But yeah. he uh, uh, is in it. He's he are, They're married in it, or whatever it is. Um, not good. Uh, I haven't seen it. I, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say it's not good. It might be a fucking masterpiece. Well, let's watch it well. together. <laughs> well, <laughs> probably not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else, y'all? Anything else on Showgirls? Um, yeah, there was just a, a quote. Siege, why don't you do some of your favorite lines? And I'll put um, this Different uh, places. Uh, different places was on there. Um, uh, man, everybody got AIDS and shit. <laughs> um, come back uh, when you fucked some of this baby fat off. See ya. Wow. <laughs> you can't forget Versace. 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 Sure. Um, if you want to last longer than a week, you give me a blowjob. First, I get you used to the money. Then I make you swallow. Blech. Charming. 
Evil <laughs> Fonzie was bad in this movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some actors in there who, who've all continued to work. Um, you've seen them around. The thrust it guy has been around forever, right? Yeah, yeah. He's around. Yeah, he's he's fucking everywhere. I feel like I just saw him in something and I laughed really hard. But what he's I a character always... shed. He's a character guy. Yeah, he's on that episode of uh, where they're at Dick Clark's Rock and Eve on Friends, um, <laughs> and they're dancing. He's like the guy telling people where to dance or whatever. But that the thing sounds I, right. The thing I always think of thrust it guy in is. Uh, so I married an axe murderer at the beginning of the movie. He's, he's doing a spoken word about being abducted by aliens and it's fucking hilarious. That's so fucking God bless character actors. If only I can have a career like that one day where I just play all these different random people. Right. What a, like in that in and of itself, what a resume for that guy. There's a great podcast called uh, household face. Mm-hmm. Which Shout is out. rather than yeah, rather than household name, household face, which is about character actors who we all know their face because they're in everything, but we don't know their name. Like Margot yeah. Martindale, <laughs> right? And those are the that's the kind of kind of the career I wish if I was still like pursuing acting. That's the career I would have wanted. Is that's like probably what oh I'll yeah, have. that guy from that one thing. Yeah, that that's what I'll have one of these days. I just got turned forty first. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, what's um, the last thing, Scott? Well, yeah, I just want to, you know, it, we, we've sort of talked through because it, it was interesting listening to CJ talk about it. Then Bailey, you got you, you, you talking about your perspective and then just the, the processing I'd been doing about it and and how I was sort of trying to come to terms with how I, I really felt about it. Um, and there, here's a quote that I'll, I'll just read out to you. Rewatching it now, however, you sense that the prism through which it's predominantly viewed may change yet again. For within the current climate, it is most potent neither as camp nor as satire, but as a straight shooting portrait of the rancid, unchecked misogyny within the entertainment industry and beyond. It is impossible to think of another mainstream studio film in which the systematic abuse and exploitation of women is so unflinchingly de- depicted, where the female body is so recurrently grabbed, slapped, or pawed at, verbally demeaned, or physically assaulted. And I'm like, ah, oh, like that's maybe here. the next. Here, here, I like. Here, motherfucking here. Like, yeah. So it's, it's, it, it is. A fantastic fucking mess of a movie. It's and a mess. I it's a mess, it. but it's fascinating. Paul Verhoeven does deserve to be viewed through the spectrum of his whole canon, not yep. just this film. I agree. Uh, I Joe agree. Esterhaus. Sure. Joe Esterhaus can be dismissed and he never can heard suck again. it. Yeah. Fuck that guy. And um, <laughs> but yeah, I you know I would love to see her get some sort of redemption and another shot. QT. I think she will. QT, do it, do it, do it, QT. Hire Elizabeth Berkeley. do yeah. it. Yeah. Give her a chance. Give her 10 fucking chances. She's earned it. Here, and what's uh, what's the Jennifer um, from Hateful Aid and Ridgemont High? Uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Jason Lee? Lee. Jennifer yeah. Jason Lee. Jennifer, if Jennifer Jason Lee can have as much of a major comeback as she has in the past 10 years, then Elizabeth Berkeley can definitely have a comeback. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. It's coming. And how great for her where um which 
I have I haven't looked at current pictures of her. I have no doubt that she's still like beautiful and everything, but like yeah. how great for her that she can like if she got cast and some stuff and got to got taken seriously where it's it's more about your chops and your experience as opposed to being tall with long legs and gorgeous, you know? Yeah. She's only 47, 48 years I, old. Yeah, I mean, it's not like she's old or anything, but she's also not Jesse Spano anymore, which is all Actually, she's ever she been known Actually, she might be. For. They have a reboot of the show, but the, ki- the but Mario Lopez is like the teacher or whatever. He, she is not participating She's in not that. on it? Okay. No, I, I think she I may have done... Her. I I, she may have done one episode or something, but I don't think she's she's not a regular on it. Right. Well, good times, y'all. I'm really glad we got to watch this. Thanks for together. watching this with me, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was appreciate fun. it. Yeah, and I'm just—it's always fun to watch it. It's been years since I had watched it, so it was just same it was here. Good times, and uh, you know, I did a lot of ooh, ah, ooh, through the whole movie, but I think that's part of it, right? I and thanks that's... for the fresh perspective to the both yeah. of you. Yeah, yeah. It was I mean, to... it was you know, it, it, it. I think it. Yeah, it'll be viewed. You know, through many different ways, but in the era of Weinstein. Well, it won't be viewed right now because you can't find it on any. Oh, that's true. Fuck, no, <laughs> you can't. We had to watch my DVD. Wow. Criteri- <laughs> criterion. Criterion. Break out of 4K. And that like sick. Do, uh, like, do I need the steel it. book like, of this it. stack. The steel book, yeah. Um, anyway, we love you all so much. Please go watch Shagirls. It's uh, it's kind of a weird masterpiece. So I it's need everybody to go check it out. It's worth a rewatch, y'all. It yeah. is. Uh, but thank you for joining us for another Theater Theater and Stuff. Join us again next week as we begin our mini-series on David Henry Huang. M. Potterfly. Nice, nice. It's <laughs> a good one. That's a good that was one. That's funny, right? Okay. We'll be covering his evolution through three of his works M. Butterfly, Golden Child, and Yellow Face. Uh, read those if you have time. And then our next N stuff is a Bailey pick, which what? I don't know if I've told y'all what it is yet. No. I mentioned in passing that I was going to do this, but I didn't. I just decided I'm starting it now. Uh, my next pick is the beginning of a mini series within a mini series because I'm gonna make them for the next like nine Bailey picks. We are going to watch the last decade's worth of live musicals that have been on TV. So we're Whoa, doing. Oh, okay. Doing the Sound of Music. We're doing Peter Pan. We're doing The Wiz. We're doing Christmas Story. We're doing Grease JC. Live. JC Jesus Super- Christ Superstar. I'm going to be mad be at JC Christ Superstar. Su- I think the JC Superstar is probably the best one. Grease is right below Fuck it. R- Rent Cooper. might be the worst one. Rent might be the worst one. Um, we've already talked about this, CJ. In a normal production of this, we would never cast Alice Cooper. But for this, it was fun. It's like Don't in care. Greece, they did Boys to Men as the um, okay. as the uh, the. I mean, dream I angel. think that Boys to Men are actually talented. Alice I mean, Cooper the, can't act. Yeah, but ne- neither could neither could the nepotism that's in the original movie. I mean, if that dude Mostel, yeah, if, yeah, he's if, great if, in the movie. I don't care. Yeah. What okay, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Nostalgia <laughs> has has tinted your lens. On Daddy that, got though, me a I, job. How dare the both of you? Yes, Daddy got but, me a job. 
I do, I do still uh, love that movie and musical, and I also am excited to talk about the live version, the John Legend live version, and then there's, there's like three or four more. I can't even think of them all, but we're gonna, I'm gonna make you guys watch all of them. Oh, oh Jesus so, Christ! I think the first one is the Sound of Music. I think that was the first one that like kind of no, resparked I won't all this. It's gonna be furious through the whole thing with Carrie Underwood. I'm gonna make you watch it with me. Fuck her too. Her and Alice Cooper. Oh man. The next Bailey pick and stuff is. Sound of Music starring Carrie Underwood, yeah. the made-for-TV live. Oh, I was I gotta, in Sound of Music. Uh, I have lots of feelings about Sound of Music. I know. I We're going to say a lot of things. And we'll uh, get to talk about the movie. We might not movie. be friends anymore. We might not be friends anymore. Well, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't. I let's be clear. I'm I don't like kidding. this thing. But we're going to talk about the Julie Andrews movie, obviously. We're going to talk about the musical, which is my first Broadway show that I saw in first grade. We're going to do all the things. So that's going to be super fun. Uh, but we love you guys <laughs> so much. Let's close it out. Scott's pissed. <laughs> I'm just my brain is now just shaking his going, head with an angry. What face. am I gonna do to get him back? Okay, well listen, we just had a big discussion, sports fans. Do you have questions, comments about what we just talked about? Do you have opinions about what Bailey wants us to fucking watch next? Then you Rent Live. <laughs> no. Then you should message us. Uh you can find us via email, also on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Scott. Thank you, CJ. A big shout out to the wonderful Pam Quinn for writing our special mm, stuff mm, 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 uh, theme oh, song. Oh, Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror is the other live show. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, no, yes. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, so, yeah, Pam Quinn, who also contributes to every episode and is amazing. A big shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson for writing our normal theme song, which you're about to hear. Our Ooh. theme song is better than your theme song. It's yeah. true. And uh, Ryan also writes all of our stingers. So thank you, Ryan, for being an amazing human being. And finally, to the great Annie Baker, the Pulitzer Prize winning playwright who writes every single episode of I'm... this podcast. Yeah. And we uh, we love her. One day, Annie Baker, we are going to buy you a beer. Please let yeah, us do that wait. for you. All right. We're going to do it. Uh, no. Cool. Follow us on all the things. <laughs> we love you so much. Uh, showgirls, go watch it. Showgirls, showgirls, do it. Mama, who bore me, mama, who gave me no way to handle things, who made me so sad. Mama, the weeping, mama, the angels, no sleep in heaven or bed. What is that from? Some pray that one day. Spring Awakening. Oh, shit. That's what it's fucking from. God the opening number of Spring Awakening. Man, uh, I haven't listened to that goddamn musical in ages. Yeah. Leah Michelle. It's a really Leah good Michelle. one. It's a good, it's a We need to musical. cover that. We should cover that. We do that need to cover that, but also. boring play. Everyone thought that she was going to play Funny Girl and uh, 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 Fanny and fu- fu- Funny Girl. And it's Beanie Feldstein. And I'm really excited Beanie- about that. So we'll talk about that on the next episode. <laughs> Later, everybody. Bleh. The theater, the theater. Sing it out, Louise. Theater, theater. To be or not to be. Theater, theater.
She looks better than a 10-inch dick, and you know it. 